a psalm of David, Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Who pardons all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Whoo, where's that been all your life? You needed that chapter, didn't you? You have needed Psalm 103 to express sometimes the, the joy that is within you. And I tell you that I have been gripped by Psalm 103, verse 1. It has literally taken hold of my heart for weeks now. And I cannot get rid of it. I sing that song. And I told Chris Eifert, I said, Chris, we need a song that follows Psalms 103.1. Isn't there something? And I'm like, I've, I've, I've heard it before. I can, I can sing it down in my soul. I'm like, I know somebody's done it. And he found it and he said, is, is that it? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's it. There's just been something on my heart about blessing the Lord with all that I have. All that's in me. And I pray that it grips you that way today. I pray when you walk out of here today that that same kind of fire that's been inside of me, I pray you get burnt up with it today. And so I want to take it literally like word by word if I can. And so beginning again, Psalm 103, verse 1, first word, bless. What does that mean? You see, when it means us toward God, when we are blessing God, it means that we're giving God adoration. What does that mean? It means that you love the Lord in such an intense and a personal way that you want to express that somehow. And so you bless the Lord. It means that, that you want to praise Him, that you want to thank Him, that you want to do something, and blessing is, is how you do it. It's not that you bless the Lord so that the Lord will do something good for you. Blessing does not initiate the goodness of God. Blessing is a response to the goodness of God. Make no mistake, you don't bless God in order to get something. It doesn't work that way. That's not blessing the Lord. Blessing the Lord is when something has happened and you know it came from God and now all of a sudden you want to do something. You don't even know what you want to do. You want to clap. You want to do something. Bless. Next set of words, the Lord. That word there is Yahweh, sometimes Jehovah. And if you ever get confused and go, well, is God's name Yahweh or is it Jehovah? Because I've heard it both ways. And the reality is we're not sure. Because when they wrote the name God in Hebrew, they had such reverence for his name that they did not want to get it wrong. And they only had consonants. And it's hard to say a word when you have all consonants and don't have any vowels. So they really weren't sure how to say it. And then eventually the Hebrews introduced vowels and they did the best they could. But they were very careful with this word Yahweh. Yahweh was his name. And then the Romans, when they translated that word, they, they saw it a little bit differently with those consonants. And they translated it 
Jehovah. And in fact, the people of Israel were so scared to say the name of God out of reverence that they refused to say it. They refused to write it out completely. They would use the word Adonai. Ever heard of that? Adonai, it means Lord. They were so in awe of God, so respectful of his name, that they didn't even want to say it out loud and risk uh, defaming it, risk saying it wrong. So they called him Lord. And as David uses that word there, it is with, you have to understand that, a great deal of awe when he says that. Like when you say the name God, something ought to stir inside of you. And something ought to begin to take place. Jehovah. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jehovah. Do you remember that? We said his name was Jehovah. And then there were some things that came after the compound names of God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. And so you can just imagine as David is sort of tuning the harp on Psalm 103. And he's getting the people ready. He says, bless Yahweh. Bless Jehovah. And all of a sudden you ought to start thinking about all the ways that you know God. All the ways that he's introduced himself to you. And now all of a sudden you think about the times that he's healed you. And you think about the times that he's provided for you. And you think about the times that you didn't know where you were going and you led you through it and out of it. And you start feeling this thing welling up inside of you. Bless the Lord. Oh my soul. There are people who want to distinguish the soul and they'll say, well, the soul is that, that mind, will, and emotion part of you. And, and that's probably true in Scripture. But that's not really what David's going for here. David's not trying to have some theological discussion that says, this time I want you to praise the Lord with your soul. And you know Jesus' discussion with the lady at the well. He says, you're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. Right, And, and, and we, we want our flesh to be used in the right ways and not the wrong way. This is not peace in parceling out our flesh and our soul and our spirit. What David is saying is this. Hey, Leanne, bless the Lord with everything you got. Bring up everything that you are in blessing the Lord. Katie, welcome back from Clemson. <laughs> Bless the Lord with everything, with all that you are, with all of your being, Anita, with with your whole person. Don't leave anything out. Bring everything into the act of, of blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. <laughs> there you have it again. You gotta, you gotta give it all you got. You can't hold back. If you have something, use it. That's what I think about when I look at the Psalms. It's almost like David says, look, boys, girls, if y'all got an instrument, play it. If you got a lip, speak it in praise. If you got hands, clap them. (laughs) If if you got hands and you don't want to clap them, raise them. If you want to do more than raise them, wave them. (laughs) If, if, If that doesn't seem appropriate, grab your heart and hold on tight. But, but give it all you got with everything you got. Praise the Lord. I, I love that he doesn't seem to leave anything out. You know it's natural to praise things that you like. Some people think that praising the Lord is, is, a, is a difficult, challenging thing. It's hard to get to the place of praise. 
But I want to challenge that notion in you today. I want to challenge that notion that it's hard to get to a place of praise. Because I'll tell you, it's not hard for you to get to a place of praise in anything else that you do. Praise is natural. Praise is that thing that, that you do when something is amazingly good. I love some food. I just want to tell you, I, I love food, and I like a lot of different food, and I like to try foods that I've never tried before, and I want to travel all over the world one day when I'm rich and retired and just try food, and I promise I'll share Jesus when I go. But you know what it's like when you try something and it's just absolutely amazing? Kathy, I'm, we're just going to talk for a minute because we're both foodies, right? You just try something, and it's just amazing, and, and it, you put that thing in your mouth, and what do you do? You go... Somebody did it. Mm. You're like, mm. you ever been outside, fellas working, and you're hot, and you're tired, and you're thirsty, and somehow you go in, or somebody brings you a glass of water, and it's just the right temperature, and it's oh so wet, and, it's, and it just satisfies that parched throat inside of you, and you just drink it, and you go, what do you do? Oh, right. Oh, it's so good. Oh. And, and, and then one evening you're driving down the road and, and you see the sun and it's setting and the sky is pink and it's orange and it's blue. And how does it get from pink and orange to blue so perfectly? Because <laughs> I try to do that with crayons and I can't make it happen. <laughs> how does he do that? And you look at that and you go, Wow. And you, you stand and you look at the ocean and you go, wow. And you watch the waves break. And you stand at the Grand Canyon and you go, wow, that's enormous. Wow. Or you look at a child that's just been born. <laughs> mm. One of the greatest joys of any person's life is to look at their child for the very first time. And, and in that moment, it's almost like it's too rich for words. And so a lot of times, mamas can't say anything. They just cry because it's too deep for words. And so you'll watch them, and they just hold this little thing that they've been carrying for, for nine months, and they're so welled up with love for someone that they just saw their face for the very first time that they don't even have any more words. They just cry. But give them long enough and they'll just talk your ear off. Because <laughs> you got you to gotta talk about the things you love. Anything you love, you talk about it. If we just listened to you, we'd find out what you loved. And I pray that when we listen to you, it's the, the, the word Yahweh that comes off the, your tongue. It's the things that God has done. C.S. Lewis, some of y'all know C.S. Lewis? Kara's a teacher. She's a big fan of C.S. Lewis, I know. Here's what he said, Kara. He said, praise is the consummation. Praise completes the enjoyment. Delight is incomplete until it's expressed. You cannot have full joy without praise. If something is really good, in order to finish that thing off, you got to praise it. You have to say something good. You have to acknowledge it. Can you imagine 
having a piece of that food and going, hmm. hmm. Or, or that drink of water and saying nothing. Or standing at the edge of the ocean completely unconcerned about what you see. Or the Grand Canyon and it's no big deal. Or your child comes out for the first time and you go, eh, okay. It's, that is unreasonable. It's absolutely unreasonable to not praise what you love. So if you ever thought it was hard to get to praise, I tell you, it's not. You always praise what you love. You always praise what's good to you. So then why is it that sometimes as Christians, it's so hard to praise God? I bet if you ask Chris, just get Chris Eifert alone sometimes and say, Chris, sometimes on Sunday mornings, is it, is it hard to get the folks to praising God? I won't even tell you what his answer, but you just ask him and, and have a conversation over that. Is it hard to get believers excited to want to bless the Lord, to, to take their soul and all that's within them and praise the Lord? I don't know. You, ask, you answer that question. And don't answer it for anybody else. Just answer it for you. <laughs> Is it, is it hard to praise? And, and so I started asking God, God, why is it so hard for us to praise you if praise is a natural thing for something that we love and enjoy? And so I came up with some things that I want to share with you today to see if some of these may have happened to you. One is, you can actually, as a Christian, have the, the praise of God bred out of you. It can be bred out of you. You know how you breed dogs and dogs have certain dispositions? Some dogs are lap dogs. They're bred not to move, just sit on your lap and, and, and be next to you. Some dogs are meant to, to track down deer and some fox. It all depends on how they've been bred. And as Christians, whether you know it or not, if you have grown up in church, you were bred a certain way. If you were bred in the Pentecostal church, then you know it's on, right? Some of you are going, yep, <laughs> it's on. If some of you were bred in some other churches, it may be that you were told we're here to be reverent. And, and what reverent meant was don't get crazy because we don't want to look foolish. God is, is high and holy. And I'm not making fun of that. Please understand I'm not making fun of that tradition. I'm saying it came from a place. I want, to know where, I want you to know where it came from. It came from a place where people said God is holy and he is reverent. We read that, right? Bless his holy name. God is holy. And we, we want to be reverent. We want to revere him. And so it was, you know, don't cut up and act crazy and, and draw attention to yourself. And, and I still go places and I have friends and, and that's part of their tradition. And I tell you, I meet some of them and they absolutely love God. And, and when the, the music starts, whatever it is, a, a, a hymn or a, a choral or whatever it is, their heart just moves now, it doesn't always do that. If you didn't grow up on it, it might not mean that same thing to you. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is where you grew up determines really what you like oftentimes and what you feel comfortable with. And, and I'll just tell you, I love all the traditions. I honestly do. Over the years, I have, I have learned as I've traveled different places and been to different churches and had things together that I love when a pipe organ is blasting you know, when that pipe organ is loud and that high note is like ringing in your ear and that low note is kind of like pounding in your chest, I'm like, I like that. That is good. 
And then I go to another place and I sing a hymn that I haven't, I haven't sang that hymn in ages. And I hear one word and I can dive right in like I never forgot. It's like riding a bike. And you dive right in. And I love the worship songs that they're quiet and you just seem like you're kneeling before God and you're just worshiping at His feet. I, I love those moments. And I also love those moments when it just feels right to give it all you got. <laughs> It feels like you need to be a little Pentecostal. You need to be like that pipe organ. You, you, need, to, you need to put as much wind and as much breath into it as you possibly can and, and give it all you got. Sometimes we don't praise God because we're afraid. We're afraid of what people are going to say. And we're afraid of what people are going to think. And so we wonder if it's acceptable or not. And so we're more worried about if we're going to make other people happy than we are if we're going to... Bless the Lord. Oh, that's convicting. That I'm more concerned with what other people think. In fact, if we dug deep enough, we find out we're not actually concerned with what other people think. We're concerned about how we appear. And we don't want to appear foolish. Or we don't want to appear crazy. And so rather than have that appearance and people think... uh, differently of us we just kind of hold it back you know that story of the woman who washes jesus feet with her hair scripture says that a woman's hair is her glory that's where her glory is it says and so here's this woman who is laying at the feet of Jesus, and she wants to praise him. She wants to bless him. He's done something for her, and somehow she's got to tell him how much it meant. And what does she do? She sacrifices her glory. Oh, listen to that. She pulls out that thing that's holding up her hair, and she lets her hair fall. This is her glory. And what does she do? She gives her glory to God. And she begins to take that hair and she begins to wash his feet. And people look at her and go, that is absolutely ridiculous. That is embarrassing. Can you believe what this woman is doing? And Jesus, there he is, letting her do that. It's disgusting. That's what they said. It's disgusting. David, when he's dancing... And he's gone down to his ephod, the last thing he's got before he's naked. (laughs) And his wife says, you're so undignified. (laughs) That's so embarrassing. I mean, in front of all my maids, you're going to act so ridiculous. And what does David do? He looks at her and he says, I'll be more undignified than this, honey. (laughs) That's the nearly inspired Kevin Southern translation, by the way. That's not out yet. You can't buy it. He says, honey, I'll be more undignified than that. That woman with her hair, she says, i got to give God glory. And if my hair is the place where I've got glory, then I'm going to give him my hair. (laughs) It's why when we get to heaven, we throw our crowns down. Why do you do that? Because you realize you didn't earn the crown. (laughs) Everything you had to get the crown came from God. So when you see him, the first thing you want to do is just give it right back. See, that's what praise is. i got to give it right back. God's done so much to me, i got to give it right back. And then sometimes, these lips are instruments. You know that? Your mouth is an instrument. It's supposed to be an instrument of praise. But sometimes it can't play praise because it's too busy grumbling. 
Hmm. I'm going to say that one more time. Our lips, our mouths, our tongues are supposed to be instruments of, of praise. But so many times our lips won't play praise. Why? Because we're too busy grumbling. If you want to look at some of the worst things that happen to the followers of God, look at what happens to them when they begin to grumble. Tragedy always follows grumbling. Because grumbling gets your eyes off of God. You cannot be looking at the face of God and grumbling. You just can't do it. And so sometimes we can't praise because our lips are too busy doing some other things. And at that point, it would be like that message I heard about Zacharias when he heard that he was going to have a son, John the Baptist, and the angel looks at him and this pastor's message was, Zachariah, hush, you talk too much. <laughs> Sometimes, as Christians, we have to look at ourselves and say, Child, hush, you're grumbling too much. Hmm. I'll mention one other thing. Young people, there's some young folks in the crowd, and maybe some people who are listening at home that are young. Oftentimes, I, I feel like we're headed in the wrong direction. I know our young people here, you grew up in Christian homes and and so when other people are cursing and using profanities, you don't want to do that. And so a lot of times what we'll do is when something bad happens, we'll just use God or Jesus. And I would love to encourage you not to do that. Because I think that the name of God is still holy. It, it, it still packs power. And the last thing I want to do, young person or old, I might be talking to an old person. I, I see some eyes that feel like maybe you're convicted. I won't look at anybody face to face right now. I'll just close my eyes. I might be talking to an old person. And, and, and you realize that maybe you didn't say some profane word, a, a, a profanity or a cursing word, but instead something made you mad. And the first thing that came out of your mouth was God or Jesus, but it wasn't to praise him. And I think we have to be careful of that because whenever we utter the name of God, I believe it ought to be in praise. I think it ought to be in a way that lifts up the name of Jesus. We ought to take his name quite cautiously even. Like some of you are electricians. And I'll say this real fast. Electricity just scares me. I, it, it really frightens me. When I was younger, I had this traumatic experience. My dad is working with his big, long screwdriver, and he's working in a power box, and I'm watching him at just the, the wrong time when he was touching something and also touched something else. Now, I don't even know how that works, but I can tell you when you touch something and you touch something else, Gerald, is that not true? Bad things happen. It felt like the box exploded. Fire shot all over the place. He jumped back. He dropped the screwdriver. He picked the screwdriver up. He still has it. It's a metal screwdriver. It cut a notch into the screwdriver. That's all I needed to know. That's all I needed to know. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with this. You know what I'll do? I'll go and I'll flip that switch and I pray the light comes on. And I'll plug something in and I pray that it turns on. And if it doesn't, I'm going to call somebody. But now you take an electrician. Electrician understands power. They understand the potential of power. But they also know how beneficial power can be. And so they're able to, to take that power and do great things with it. But they're able to do that and stay alive because they still respect the power. I believe that in our words, we still ought to respect the power of God.
And I think we ought to know that when we call on the name of Jesus, we ought to be able to call on the name of Jesus because we're speaking healing over somebody. Because we're, we're speaking salvation over somebody that by his name, Jesus, the name above all names, and only that name can you be saved. Okay, that felt like I got on a, a high horse. I'm coming back down. And, and then the, the last thing is this. Sometimes we don't praise God because we don't think he did it. We think we did it. We think we did it. And so we look at what we have, and we think we earned it. We worked for it. We deserve it. In fact, you hear people saying, you deserve it, or I deserve it. But the reality is, we didn't deserve any of that. In fact, if you ask me, Kevin, what did you deserve? I'd say, I deserved hell. I deserved separation from God because I wasn't very likable, but he liked me anyway. I wasn't very lovable, but he loved me anyway. I, I, I didn't even want to have a relationship with him at times, but he kept pressing in, saying, Kevin, you might let go of me, but I'm not letting go of you. <laughs> there were times I couldn't find him, and he said, Kevin, you can't, you can't find me, but I'm still here. And, and, and so there are times when we cannot find God, and it's because when we look around, everything we see is the work of our hands. And I would say, you just didn't look far enough. You should have looked to who gave you hands. And if you don't have hands, you should have looked for who gave you the other things that you have. And I'll tell you, sometimes the people who don't have some things are far more grateful for what they have than the people that have everything. Yeah. So, some of my dear brothers and sisters in Christ may hear me say this next part, and they're going to get mad at me. <laughs> I'm just reading the Bible. I'm literally just getting ready to read the Bible. Now, somebody's going to get mad at me, but here it is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, forget none of his benefits. You should be, con you should be conscious of the benefits of being a believer. Now, if I hadn't read that verse first, and I looked at you and I said, you need to be conscious of the benefits of being a believer. Somebody would passively, aggressively... Say some nasty things about me. And they would say, there you go, talking about all these benefits of being a Christian. That's all y'all care about. All some Christians care about is all the benefits. And all they want is the blessings. And all they want is the healings. And, and if they wasn't chasing a blessing, they wouldn't be chasing God at all. And I would say, if you did it right, then when you count up the benefits, it would draw you back to the blesser, not the blessing. And if you got stuck at the blessing, and that's all you wanted, then you may need to get saved because you missed the important part. You missed the most important part. For any Christian who is worth their salt, who knows who their God is, when they count up their benefits, it is not so they can collect their benefits. It is so they can bless the Lord. It's to remember where it came from. In fact, I will tell you, it's called being thankful. That's what it's called. It's called being thankful. In church, I think we need a little more of it. I think we need to be a little more thankful. I think you need to count up the benefits of being a believer. Because I got to tell you, if God ever showed you what you could have been like without him, it would shake you to your bones. Some of you have gone places and done things. And you know who has blessed you. 
And you know what would have happened if you had continued on your own. In fact, it still amazes me that people will look at child molesters and they'll look at Hitler and they'll look at Stalin and the great murderers and serial killers and they'll turn their nose up like there's not some of that in us. And I will tell you, That if you will face your reality without God, you will find that there is a Hitler inside of you. You will find that there is a Stalin who is willing and able to kill his enemies if he can get away with it. You just couldn't get away with it. And so a lot of people are not holy because they're holy. They're seeming to be holy because they're afraid of getting caught. It got real quiet in here. And so we have to understand who we are and be thankful. And that is why the Christmas story is so important. It's because nothing happens without Jesus. None of that's possible without Jesus. Healing is only possible through the name of Jesus. Look at what it said. Who pardons all our iniquities. How did that happen? Jesus Who heals our diseases? Who does that? Jesus. Who redeems your life from the pit? Jesus. Who crowns you with loving kindness? Jesus. Who satisfies your years with good things? Jesus. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs performs righteous deeds. Jesus on a cross and his judgment for all who are oppressed. Jesus coming to the weak and to the poor and to the needy. The Lord is compassionate in Jesus, and He's gracious in Jesus, and He's slow to anger in Jesus, and He's abounding in loving kindness in Jesus. It's got to start and end with Jesus. And that is the joy of Christmas. And so let me end with this. I want to let you look at the constructs of Psalm 103. What do I mean by that? If you were to have your Bible open or you've got your phone out and you're looking at the verses, there's 22 verses. If you look at verse 1 and 2, what's happening is this. It's like uh, David, the psalmist, is getting everybody ready. He's tuning the harps. The orchestra is tuning up their instruments. The conductor is tapping, getting everybody ready. He's saying, bless the Lord. Get your soul ready. Get everything that's within you ready because we're going to bless his holy name. (laughs) He said, I need your attention. We're about to do something. And then from verse 3 to verse 8, he focuses our attention. You see how excited I got when I read verses 3 through 8? It's hard to read that and not get excited. He means to get you excited, to remind you so you don't forget what God has done. Because in remembering, it's going to bring up praise. It's going to make it easier to pray. So he's getting your attention. He's drawing it to the verses. And then verse 9 through verse 14, he's telling you, we don't deserve it. It's what I just said. It's not anything that we did. It is that God is a loving father. Hmm. He says in verse 13, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And and so he reminds us that it's not of us. (laughs) And and yet there's something inside of us that says, I sure would like to give him something back. Doesn't it? Do any of you feel like that? Like when that praise wells up, you're like, I want to do something. (laughs) But anything I do, I'd be using what he'd already give me. So what do I have left to give him? Give him your praise. 
Give him your praise. That's what you have left. That's the one thing that's yours that you can turn however you want it. Give him his breath back. Give him his praise. And then the end. This is a beautiful thing as I was thinking. David wrote this thing 3,000 years ago. This song, 103, is 3,000 years old. Now watch what happened. 3,000 years ago, David started pinning a song. So that he could begin to turn his soul and all that was in him toward the Lord. And then he was going to play that song before the entire nation of Israel. And he was going to turn their hearts and their souls and all that was within them toward God. And now, 2,000 years later, all of the church over the course of 3,000 years. You think about the things that have come and gone in 3,000 years. Hitler's not here anymore. Remember me talking about him? Nazi Germany, gone. Hitler and communism, gone. All of the evils of the world have come and gone. They all die. But you know what remains over 3,000 years? Our great God and the praise of his people. And so now, here we are in 2020, and we are united with David who penned it 3,000 years ago, all of Israel, and all of the church. And then David has the boldness to end the chapter by saying, Bless the Lord, O you angels. He starts telling the angels what to do. (laughs) He's like so excited at this point. He's looking up into the heavens, and he's uniting heavens and earth, and he's saying, We're getting ready to praise the Lord. (laughs) And angels, while we're praising, you ought to praise him too. Bless the Lord, all you his Host, verse 21, bless the Lord all you works of His. Which brings me to my final conviction. I don't think there's any place anymore for half-hearted praise. I want to let that sit for just a minute. I don't think there's any place among believers... In 2020, there's no place for half-hearted praise. Because if your praise is half-hearted, something's wrong. Something's got to change. You you either have to count up the benefits and draw your attention back to God. You either have to get outside of the way that you were bred and realize that, like David said, give it all you got, child. It'll make, it'll make that thing complete. You want to know why your joy is not complete? It's like C.S. Lewis said, because you didn't praise him yet. You didn't finish it. It was that bite that you took and you went, hmm. What does scripture say? Taste of the Lord and see that he is good. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I want to challenge us as a church. Chris, will you come back? I, I want to challenge us as a church. That if we cannot praise God with all that we have, we ought to go find out why. We ought to go find out why. And as a church, when we gather here, it should be unacceptable for us to sing three songs, hear a message, and go home. That ought to be unacceptable. You you ought to look at me after the service and go, what did we do wrong? 
You, you ought to come up and go to Chris and say, Chris, I don't know what it was, but I was flat today, and I don't even know why I was flat, but, but I, but I want to do better because <laughs> God deserves my better. And as a church, we ought to say, we might come in and not be ready to praise, but by the time we get out, we've done all that we could to bless His holy name and give it all we got. And if we just get exhausted, we go, I, I, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know where, where God was today. And maybe we do have to go home and, and, and search that thing out. But the time has come, folks, for the people of God to stand up and bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. And to say as a church, anything less than that is unacceptable to us. Bringing half-hearted offerings to an almighty God is unacceptable. Now, we don't all have to do it alike. So don't feel like you got to go and raise your hands and wave them and, and do all kind of stuff. that I'm, I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying whatever that means to give God all you got, you ought to give it. 